Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Good morning. You are listening to Insight, a show about empowering our community. I'm Lorraine Ballard-Marl. Insight is brought to you today by the American Association for Cancer Research, the first and largest cancer research foundation in the world based right here in Philadelphia. The research they fund has led to some of the greatest breakthroughs in cancer research. This December, every dollar you contribute will be matched. Donate today at aacr.org. There's nothing worse for a parent than losing their child to gun violence. That happened to Ty Birch, whose son was shot to death last year. Ty took his grief and channeled it into a new movie designed to bring awareness around senseless gun violence. We air an interview from our archives with the Philadelphia Eagles' Chris Long, who has donated a quarter of his salary to help kids read at grade level by fourth grade. But first, let's talk about an innovative program that brings music to Philadelphia public school students. One of my fondest memories was the fact that my mom used to take me to local orchestras and so many wonderful programs that allowed me as a young person to experience music of all kinds, especially classical music. But we went to all sorts of concerts. And I credit that exposure, early exposure, to live music for my enduring love of music of all kinds. And that is really, in some respects, the mission of the Philly Pops. The Philly Pops in Schools program allows young people to have the experience of meeting musicians, hearing musicians live, and that is an unforgettable experience. Joining us in the studio to tell us about the program and about some wonderful events coming up are Karen Corbin, Chief Operating Officer for the Philly Pops, and Hilberto Vega, who is Manager of Education and Engagement for the Philly Pops. Thank you so much for joining us today. Lovely to be here. Yes, thank you for having us. Well, I'm going to ask you first, Karen, to describe Pops in Schools. Pops in Schools is five years old at this point, and we couldn't be prouder of our baby. We serve 2,500 students, all in the Philadelphia School District. It's no secret that there have been cutbacks to arts, arts education, and we try to supplement the work of the school district by providing tailored programs in, at this point, 16 schools. You make such a good point because of the cutbacks in many programs that provide art and music in schools. A lot of young people aren't getting that exposure. People sometimes think of those as electives, as not that central to the educational process. But, Hilberto, I would imagine uh, that the research shows that music in particular, and arts also in general, really contribute to the success of children in schools. Absolutely. Uh, Music helps contribute to teamwork, collaboration, focus, increase in test scores. Um, So the way that we have elevated this programming is very much working in tandem with the schools that we partner with to try to find music programming that'll find ways to help connect more with the classroom instruction. Um, For instance, at one of our schools, we're currently doing what is called Steaming with the Philly Pops, which is a series of monthly assemblies that focus on each instrument family and provide opportunities for students to see the science of music. We do live demonstrations of science um, as well as 
providing pop musicians to come in and share their stories of how they became musicians, as well as to share each of their instruments and how their instruments create sound. So these are really wonderful opportunities for us to show that music can help support all academic endeavors and can also help find moments to showcase students' talents that they may not be able to demonstrate fully in a classroom setting. Karen, I think also what's what's unique and uh, special and very important is that it provides this element of giving people an opportunity to be exposed to possibility, to see musicians who actually have followed their own dreams and have realized them, uh, often plants a seed, regardless actually whether they're musicians or any other profession. But being exposed to, to a larger world is so important to the growth of kids. No question. When you bring Mandy Gonzalez, currently starring in Hamilton, to a Spanish heritage school in Kensington, the kids just light up at the possibility that she has created for them of living a life in the arts. So it works on that level. I think cultural connectivity is another path that we ensure these children are exposed to, these students are exposed to. Let's not forget that the Philadelphia School District saw Patti LaBelle, Stanley Clark, Grover Washington Jr., Kenny Gamble, Will Smith, Boys to Men, all the way up to uh, the guy that kicked off our 40th anniversary season this September, Leslie Odom Jr. So the talent is embedded in these neighborhoods. And it's our job to get the kids from the schools to the Kimmel, where they can perform in the lobby prior to shows with themed programming matched to what we're doing that day, and also tickets into the show so that they have access to a wider world. Let's talk specifically. You've got all kinds of amazing events, uh, a whole calendar of events, and you also have Philly's All Jazz Festival, which is another aspect of music that uh, sometimes kids are not exposed to, but is really American music that so much of our music, our popular music, actually kind of grows out of. So can you kind of tell us a little bit about some of the programming that's out there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for our 40th anniversary season, we're devoted to helping to highlight Philadelphia stories, particularly with the music. So this January, we'll be doing a jazz concert. It'll be the premier concert for the Philly Pops Big Band at the Kimmel Center in Verizon Hall. So they'll be doing a performance with Terrell Stafford, who is currently the director of jazz studies for Temple University um, and an internationally recognized trumpet player. So he'll be coming and we'll be commissioning a, a new work that is inspired by the musical legacies of North, South and West Philadelphia and the distinct musical sounds that have been coming from those neighborhoods, you know, as far back as the early 1900s. I want to break in for just a second. I mean, this day, the 20 in January, the 18th, 19th and 20th of January, will also showcase Alita Moses, who's a graduate of Philadelphia's University of the Arts, now working mostly in New York, singing jazz. And Dee Dee Bridgewater, a famous jazz singer, will be by to celebrate the legacy of Billie Holiday, who had a Philadelphia story of her own, to bring the students from our high school jazz programs to perform in the lobby prior to that, and then to enjoy the performance of these really Philadelphia-rooted musicians is, is just a terrific experience, I think. I'm going to bring in a very odd reference, but I happened to see Drumline for the first time. I don't know if you've seen that of movie. Course. but uh, But what was so interesting about it, uh, I'd always heard about it, I just never got around to it, was uh, towards the end, you know, this kind of street kid who uh, was very angry and, and sort of egotistical finally kind of gets down to the roots 
his dad, who he's estranged from, sends him all these cassettes of jazz, <laughs> jazz classic musicians, uh, drummers. And it was that connection that really allowed him thematically in this movie, and, you know, there's all kinds of great lessons to be learned, that connection with music of, of the past connected with his ability to perform amazingly in the present. So uh, just somehow the fact that you're doing this jazz festival kind of reminded me of that, because when you connect with some of the classic jazz musicians you really connect with a tremendous rich heritage that we can all build from in contemporary music. Absolutely. I think for me, music began as classical training on piano, but also uh, my grandfather had this box of vinyl, and I found Ella Fitzgerald and Harry James, Duke Ellington, Count Basie, and my favorite, Dinah Washington. And that sort of sparked something in me and, and presenting that music today with a fresh look, like Leslie Odom Jr. does, but but through our big band um, is really a wonderful, wonderful thing. What are some ways that we as citizens who really care about our kids and care about music, how can we help? Well, the first way on a more systemic level is finding ways to help elevate and share these students' stories, going to these schools for their festivals, going to their musicals, being patrons for these students to help allow them to see themselves and to see that they can be whatever they want to be. Additionally, the Pops and Schools programs, as with a lot of nonprofit organizations, educations program, they are supported by the support of generous individuals who just want to help make a difference in our schools and in their communities. Right. And also the general public. Any of these programs open to uh, folks who are not specifically enrolled in this Pops and School program? Oh, absolutely. For example, before our concerts at the Kimmel Center, uh, the lobby is open to all. And we have a student performance before about 90% of the concerts that, that we present. So they can come see them there. The neighborhood schools, as I say, of which there are many, invite parents and members of the neighborhood to come. You can always find information on our website. And then we try to showcase just Friday night, we had uh, students who had graduated from our all-city jazz program and are now studying at University of the Arts playing jazz on street corners as a group of our constituents walked from a dinner party over to see the concert on Friday night. So how lovely um, that was just, I think, an incredible experience for everybody. That is great. So uh, not only you're providing this experience for the students that are part of the program, but you're allowing the ripples to uh, just to spread out into the community by allowing people to see the kids perform, to see some of the programs that you, in fact, are sponsoring, and really kind of the fruits of your labor to see these kids. Oh, and I understand that on Tuesday, April 16th, your student-based All-City Jazz Festival is happening all day long with your partner, the Kimmel Center for Performing Arts. Anybody is free to come for any or all of that. Last year, we had nine straight hours of jazz music. Wow, that sounds amazing. So if people would like to know everything that they need to know about Pops in Schools and also to the Phillies All Jazz Festival, what are some of the best ways to find out all the details? Sure, for that, you can go, of course, to our website, phillypops.org. Um, additionally, we are on all of the social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram, and we are very excited that as social media continues to drive students and especially driving their 
online, you know, cloud and music opportunities. We're looking forward to having them be further integrated into all of that platform. And before I let you go, uh, we heard a little bit of Karen's origin story, uh, having uh, experience with your dad's music and and being inspired by that. But Gilberto, t- can tell tell us a little bit about your origin story. How did you get sure. involved in music? I began in fourth grade when my school music teacher, Miss Mack, played the saxophone and she played the theme song to The Simpsons. And <laughs> I, from that moment, I said, I want to play the saxophone just like Lisa Simpson. Uh-huh. And from there, you know, growing up in a household where my mother was she always referred to herself as Hein 57, so 57 varieties of European. And my father grew up in Costa Rica. I grew up in two very different musical worlds. And seeing the way they've been able to combine to help me see myself and my music represented in American popular music has been something that I now have made it my life's work. And finding opportunities to go into these schools and being able to allow students to see themselves at such a young age is something that I just think is so very important. And to have a full circle moment like this past February, um, one of our schools had a really huge interest in starting a woodwind program. And so we had saxophone and clarinet and flute instruction. And one of our students who performed uh, with the Philly Pops on the 4th of July, when she opened up her saxophone for the first time, she said, I want to be just like Lisa Simpson. (laughs) And so that really, to me, allowed me to remind myself that look at where you are and look at where you started, but also being able to say, look at what I'm I'm going to be able to do now. That is fantastic. I love it. Gilberto Vega, who is Manager of Education and Engagement for the Philly Pops, and Karen Corbin, who is Chief Operating Officer for the Philly Pops. We've been talking about Pops in School and also the upcoming Philly's All Jazz Festival that is coming up. And so please be sure to check it out. Wonderful work being done to uplift kids and give them exposure and give them uh, the gift of possibility in music. Thank you so much for joining us. Wonderful to be here. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Lorraine Ballard-Morrow. I'm so excited to introduce Chris Long. He's a defensive end for the Eagles and also the founder of the Chris Long Foundation. And what's especially exciting is the fact that he is going to be teaming up with the United Way and Philadelphia's Read by Fourth campaign to increase early literacy. Thanks so much for joining us, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's talk about why you decided to focus in on literacy as a cause. Well, in general, um, as I've been involved with a lot of causes under the umbrella of our foundation, I'm really looking for efficient ways to kind of move the needle. And, um, you know, when we got into education last year and educational equity, uh, we did a lot of uh, work with mentorship all across the board and trying to invest in, you know, students in underserved communities from high school age all the way down to elementary school for resources, mentorship, a whole bunch of stuff. But this year we wanted to do a more pointed initiative, and, and that was uh, literacy by fourth grade. And at the start of fourth grade, if a kid's not not reading at grade level, that's a marker uh, that kind of isn't great news and signifies that that kid is going to be much more likely to deal with a lot of 
some negative outcomes in their life. Uh, so we kind of zeroed in on it, and as I've read more and become more educated about it, I've become even more passionate about it, and I feel like it's a really um, efficient, effective way to move the needle for kids and outcomes even into their adult life. Chris, um, your campaign is called First Quarter for Literacy, and what you're uh, going to be doing is putting books in the hands of kids and families. Tell us more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, the whole thing is using the platform that I have as a Philadelphia Eagle in Philly to try to get more books in the hands of underserved kids. Uh, You know, in Philly, I believe last year at the start of the 2016-17 school year, almost two-thirds of kids in Philly entered fourth grade unable to read at grade level. So, you know, really sobering news for people that are interested in Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com the direction of our youth and what we're going to do is leverage that platform to try to get fans and other players around the league to raise money and give books uh, and get more books into kids at home libraries and also provide parents and guardians with tips and uh, strategies to try to help their kids read at grade level. When we talk about these statistics, there's there's all types of things that happen when kids don't read well by fourth grade. Uh, if a kid's not reading by the end of third grade at, at grade level, you know, they're four times more likely to drop out of high school. And if you add poverty in the mix, uh, you know, that same student is going to be six times more likely not to finish high school. So, you know, you're talking about at three years old, there's a 30 million word gap between kids from the wealthiest and poorest families. So the data backs it up. There's a dire need from a, a human standpoint as a dad. I love reading to my son, Waylon, and, and my wife does as well. So uh, and every kid growing up that was lucky enough to have that 20 minutes a night where their parents might read to them or someone might read to them really cherishes that memory. So it's not just building better students and better adults eventually, but uh, a better childhood experience for kids. Chris, you're donating a quarter of your 2018 salary to this campaign, but you're also asking us to get involved as well. How do we do that? Well, you can check us out at firstquarterforliteracy.org. And, you know, we've already had some uh, prominent players uh, pitch in. Fletcher Cox, uh, who's a great player for us, has donated uh, $10,000 and will be providing books in uh, rural Mississippi, uh, where he's from. Bo Allen, who plays for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, has uh, donated $5,000. And that money will go to the Tampa area, to Tampa area youth and we have guaranteed that we'll match up to $25,000 donations from players around the league but you don't just have to be a player you know fans can get involved they, they, they really stepped up for us last year with our pledge 10 initiative for educational equity and I know they'll do the same this year you know check us out at firstquarterforliteracy.org there's going to be a ton of avenues that you can give whether it's books or, or money and uh, you know hopefully we're going to set up some uh, spots where fans can drop off some of 
their, you know, lightly used books or uh, relatively heavily used books uh, <laughs> and uh, and donate to kids in need that, that don't have at-home libraries. Because, again, kids with 20 or more books uh, in the home are, are on average going to get three more years of schooling. So that's across all socioeconomic backgrounds uh, that, that controls for that. And, um, you know, statistics like that are staggering. So it's just that simple. Sometimes it's it, it, it's complicated and sometimes something like this is relatively simple. Chris, uh, you're also going to be providing tips for parents through Philadelphia's Read by Fourth campaign. So mm-hmm. uh, tell us more about that. Well, I mean, caregivers uh, and parents play a vital role in raising strong readers. So children at home are getting that vital teacher role before they even get to school. Um, they play that role of helping to develop early literacy skills and, and reading habits. When I was a kid, I got read to every single night. I still remember my favorite books, and I grew up a strong reader. And, you know, I had a lot of great opportunities, but I think reading uh, academically was the backbone of that. And so I was very lucky, and life's full of teachable moments, and families can develop, you know, effective reading routines at home and on the go. You aim for that 20 minutes a night, but, you know, whether it's on the bus, uh, in the grocery store, uh, it doesn't just have to be before bedtime. Just make it part of the routine. And as we're partnering with the United Way and the Read by Fourth campaign, they have a ton of great tips, and you can find them online. And you're not just dropping books into homes. You're also, as you alluded to, kind of coaching up parents uh, because it's not always simple. Chris Long, I want to thank you so much for all that you and your wife are doing. The Chris Long Foundation is kicking off this campaign. It is the first quarter for literacy, and you can go to firstquarterforliteracy.org. Is that right? Yep, that's it. Okay, well, and also the chrislongfoundation.org. Yep, you can check that out as well. And you can also go to readbyfourth.org for all kinds of resources on how to get kids reading at grade level by fourth grade. Chris Long, Eagles defensive end and uh, founder of the Chris Long Foundation, thank you for all you do. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. I'm Lorraine Ballard-Morrow. You're listening to Insight. We have been experiencing a real uptick in violence here in the city of Philadelphia. So many shootings, significantly the number of people wounded in shootings has also gone way up. So it's always important and critical for us to keep the conversation going about how we can stop the violence and increase the peace. Joining us in the studio is Philly-born actor Ty Birch. He is the star of a film that's called Betrayed, Who Do You Trust? And this film is based on facts of actual events that happened the night his 19-year-old son was shot and killed in the streets of Philadelphia. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Lorraine. Well, before we get into the specifics of the movie, why don't you tell me the story of your son? What happened? To think about what happened, um, you know, it's, it's easier now than it has been in a long time. Um, you know, he was out with a friend. Um, they were walking the streets. It was kind of late at night. I believe they were having a conversation, and um, they experienced a van that they had never seen before riding around a neighborhood. And when they looked up, before they knew it, the van sped back around a corner, and someone jumped out and started shooting. Um, my son took one bullet to the back, um, died later on that evening, and his friend took seven bullets, and he survived, thank God. Did they catch the perpetrators? No, the killer is still on the loose. Ah, boy, that has got to be tough. 
Um, I know so many parents for whom they've lost children and they still haven't seen justice. And uh, that's sometimes the hardest thing of all, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, I've been um, talking a lot with um, Ms. Dorothy Johnson-Spate. Yes, Mothers Uh, in Charge. Yes, Mothers in Charge, um, powerful organization. And one of the things that she told me was that um, she goes to the prisons and she speaks to the uh, victimizers. And the victimizers, um, at the time of the shooting, they don't realize the effect that it has on the other people, like who the lost one left behind, who the one that perishes leaves behind. Um, so they feel the remorse later on, but they have no consequences or no thought or take no thought of their actions when they're pulling the trigger. And this was all over a social media beef. His words was exchanged back and forth. So you know that the, that was maybe the origin of it is is the beef. And, and that's what's so crazy about beefs these days. I mean, back in the day, not that it was that, that much better, but certainly the easy availability of guns has pushed the consequences of these beefs onto a whole different level. Correct. It's grown. It's grown a lot. You know, I believe that there are influences in the videos. Like I'm a content creator, so I choose to create content that's uplifting and you know, inspiring people, things like that. And yes, there are guns in my film, but when you see the film, you'll see the significance behind the guns. You know, uh, can you pull the trigger? You know, what 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 kind of mindset can you be in? You know, I talk about forgiveness. You know, I talk about neglect. You know, what, some of the things that my son might have been feeling the night he was walking the streets. Who knows why he was walking the streets that time of night? Well, let's talk about your decision to make this movie. What made you decide that you would take some of the experience some of the grief, some of the sadness, I guess, and, and try to make some art out of it, try to make some uh, a movie with some messages in it. Uh, as a filmmaker, I want to tell stories that are, are real. I want to tell stories that um, hit close to home. And, you know, because of um, the way I write, I my hope, my prayer is that to bring people, one, closer to Christ, and two, to um, help them heal. And um, a lot of things that people told me was that, you know, this is part of my healing process as a writer, as a filmmaker, as part of my healing process. And I realized that because it was hard on set a lot of days. Not only am I in it, but, you know, it's about me. It's about my story. I told it. I want to tell this story from a father's eye because we have mothers in charge. Right. And I thought about mothers in charge. And when when I actually went inside of mothers in charge, I realized it was bigger than mothers in charge that they do have an outlet for men and young men. So it's bigger than mothers in charge, and I thank them for allowing me to come in and welcome me and my family in to have a place to come and worship and fellowship and heal, you know, and just be us. You know, I don't have to come in as a leader. I don't have to come in as a father, but to be able to come in and just sit and talk. And they were really adamant on, like, no, people have to see this film. Like, why did you make this film? Well, I want people to see, like, well, look at the damage that's left behind. Look at the the exit wounds that not only the physical bullet leaves, but the spiritual bullet, you know, the mental bullet, you know, my family, my children are still affected, you know, by this. And, you know, we have healing through Christ. Thank God. Um, We have a strong faith base, um, but it doesn't mean that we don't hurt. We're not perfect. Right. And so this movie uh, came out of, out of your own personal experience and you hope to really make, this a learning experience for anyone who sees this, but also an entertaining one as well. I'm going to detour a little bit and talk a bit about your background. You are a veteran actor. You've been around doing acting for quite a while. Tell us a little more yes. about that. Yes. Um, 
Well, I, 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 I did a play. I was casted um, right out of the barbershop. I never thought that I would um, be in acting or the arts. I've been an artist all my life. I went to the Art Institute. I studied uh, community college for um, life drawing and things like that. I wanted to be a Disney animator, but I didn't know where it was going to take me. So I, I had a family. I left it alone for a little bit, but I would always still draw, sketch, and things like that. Fast forwarding now, I realized that all that was building me up for now. Um, I got casted in a play called Ceremonies in Old Dark Men by Lonnie Elder by uh, one of my clients. I'm a former barber. And my client was like, hey, you ever thought about acting? And I'm like, um, no, no. He said, well, I got the perfect role for you. And I had hands-on, on-stage training from a bunch of people I still keep in contact with now. Uh, it was it was an enlightening experience. I was terrified <laughs> around all these people, you know, they who had been doing this and they just welcomed me in as family. Um, one of them, my big sister, Karen Walla Martin, she's um, active in the community of acting and filmmaking and theater. Larry Moses, who passed on, you know, and Kevin Mack is the one who casted me. And he was just here not too long ago doing his play, Daughters of the Mock. He came back to direct it, but he wants to, he lives in Florida now, but he wants to keep coming back to direct more plays. And I stayed away for a little while to try to figure out what I wanted to do. And then again, I got a uh, call. Um, I had to leave my barbering career behind of 18 years. And that call came from God. And I wrestled with God for a year and a half. <laughs> it wasn't really a wrestling match. He won, of course. <laughs> but, you know, I was really resilient on where I wanted to go, what he wanted me to do. Like I had to leave my job with no job, but that's what he told me to do. And it may be strange to people to me, you know, well, I looked at it, um, well, what are people going to think? Like, man, I, I have no way to support my family. I'm not going to have a job. God told me you have to do this. In the process, um, I became, um, I had a chance to hone my skills. And I didn't know I was going to be a writer. Somebody told me, you start writing. And I said, I don't want to write. I just want to act. Just leave me alone. And then next thing you know, I'm writing, I'm I'm acting. I'm filmmaking, I'm directing, and because of it, somebody saw the greatness in me, and I listened to what God said, listened to what they said. I'm an award-winning actor now, award-winning writer. Betrayed has won an award already in the New York Screenplay Competition. I also have it in other film festivals. Um, my goal is I'm preparing for the American Black Film Festival in Miami this year. I went last year as a spectator, but this year I'm going, I'm, I want to, you're a participant. Um, yes, be a participant and bring home the gold, you know. <laughs> um, just be recognized, you know, as a filmmaker and, you know, be able to support my family. Well, you stepped out on faith, huh? Yes. That's wonderful. Well, there's an opportunity for all of us to see your movie. Tell us where we can see it. What's What are all, all the details there? There's a red carpet event that starts at three at 6.30 p.m. The Monday, December 17th at AMC in the Chamonix 24. The first showing is at 7 p.m., Right after the red carpet, there's going to be a question and answer after that one. And then another showing at 8 p.m. If people would like more information about the film Betrayed, Who Do You Trust? Where do they find out more? Uh, you can look at um, eventbrite.com and search Betrayed, Who Do You Trust? This is where you can purchase tickets and see a little brief bio. You can also look at mastermindfilmsllc.com. That's my website. Some of the pictures are up there. Um, some of the bios up there of the uh, talented actors that I have. There's also social media on my social media pages. You can find me at Ty Birch, T-A-I-B-I-R-C-H. That's Trouble T-Roy 37 on Instagram. On Facebook is Ty Birch, my name. 
And we also have a Facebook page, Betrayed, Who Do You Trust? Um, you have to make sure you put in that Who Do You Trust because there's two other films out called Betrayed, but mine is Who Do You Trust? Because we put our trust in people that let us down sometimes. It could be parents, it could be uh, children, it could be uh, pastors, somebody. You might feel betrayed and let down. So this touches on a lot of issues, you know, maybe even be betrayed by the police who you think is supposed to protect and serve you. And there's also, there's one more platform. I'm, am I forgetting one? I think you kind of got it covered. I think Snapchat? I, got it <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't do Snapchat. My, one of my kids tried to get me to do Snapchat, but I'm like, let's, let me slow down. I'm just, right. you know, I have all yeah, these Yeah, I'm not there either, so right. I got you. I feel it. Right. Well, Ty Birch, I want to thank you so much. Ty Birch, who is the star, the director, the producer of Betrayed, Who Do You Trust? A film based on the facts of actual events that happened to Ty when his 19-year-old son was shot and killed on the streets of Philadelphia. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm Lorraine Ballard-Morrill. Thank you for listening to Insight. You can stream today's interviews by going to our website and typing in keyword community and clicking on the podcast tab. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Lorraine Ballard. That's Lorraine with one R. And do something positive for your community. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.